Hello and welcome to the Spirit World Center. The following is the Spirit World Center podcast. If you have any questions about the spirits or training, you can visit our website at spiritworldcenter.com. And now, please enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Spirit World Center. Today, I'm joined by Alexandra Blair, and we are once again going to do an astrological weather report. And these really are fantastic, and it sounds like there's an interesting month ahead of us. Alexandra, how are you today? I'm doing well. Um, Thank you for having me, as always. And yes, we have quite an interesting month ahead of us here, which I guess is is always the case, but... Some months are more interesting than others Um, but this one should be interesting and of course we're covering the period from October 25th to November 23rd of 2022 if you're listening to this in a different year so uh yeah where do we start great so basically the kind of overall themes of this month are the return of the eclipses So earlier this year in April and May, we saw a series of eclipses happening in in Taurus and Scorpio. Eclipse cycles typically run 12 to 18 months. That's the case here. So we're seeing a reprise and this cycle really will continue through until July of the middle of next year, 2023. And eclipses are large scale changes. They really mark these dramatic changes Um, that will take place on the scale of that timeline, you know, 12 to 18 months here, we're looking at the next six, seven months, uh, eight months until July, particularly for those with prominent Scorpio and Taurus placements, Um, anyone who has major placements of those two signs. And I'll talk extensively as we go event to event about um, who and how things are going to be affecting. Um, so just to begin, you should probably pull up your chart, take a look to the house in your chart governed by Scorpio and Taurus, um, and a little more on solar and lunar eclipses. So in ancient times, the solar eclipses were typically bad omens, omens that coincided with the downfall of kings and the ends of wars. And they are that, you know, in our modern times too. However, it's though it is typically a sort of destructive energy, it's not necessarily a bad energy. It is the breaking down of something, uh, some systems, some old way of being, and then the introduction of something new. So oftentimes it can be a radical change. I think if we liken this to tarot, it would be something, you know, like a sequential tarot would be like the Hierophant, the tower or death, depending on your placements. And then like the fool card, that's the process of the eclipse. Um, we've got the old system, we've got some kind of radical change, it might be catastrophic, it might be a little more peaceful than that. And then we have sort of a new system embarking, you know, setting out without the safety blanket of those, those old habits and those old ways. So it's not exactly not necessarily a bad thing can be a bad thing, but not necessarily right like even with the old version of looking at death of kings as eclipses right well the old if you're just a commoner well the old king could have been a complete jackass and he's replaced by a nice guy so you know it can be a very good thing it can also be a bad thing it could be replaced by a despot right yes exactly that that's such a great way of 
putting it. Um, and I think that that kind of gets at something, you know, as I'm taking a lot of Hellenistic astrology resources and I'm working my way through that, something that the old Stoics said has always really stuck with me. And I think it applies here. Um, but basically the old Stoics believed that our bodies were bound to the fates, but that our souls were able to transcend fate basically through disposition and demeanor. And so I think that kind of gets at what you're talking about. Like we may be, you know, sort of bound to fate and we may have to endure certain things, but we can actually escape fate by changing our own disposition and demeanor and attitudes about the things that are happening. I think a lot of us have had moments in our life where it's that Murphy's law and you're feeling like, oh, everything that has gone wrong could, and you just start laughing about it. You've escaped fate in that moment, according to the Stoics. Yeah, it reminds me of Iamblichus and uh, his theurgy as well, right? That's basically, it's kind of like, yes, there's fate, but at the same time, if you align your soul correctly, you somehow escape fate. It's a, It can be very nuanced, right? But at the same time, yes. yeah, absolutely. Hmm. I know, interesting to think about. But yeah, so this this month really is going to be, I'm telling you right now, if you have prominent Scorpio or Taurus placements, um, definitely buckle up. This is a big change. This is going to be like uh, happening on a life-changing scale for you. So uh, when I say prominent Scorpio and Taurus placements, I'm going to say what I specifically mean is if you are a Scorpio or Taurus rising, if you have a stellium in your birth chart, which means if you have three or more planets of the traditional seven planets in Scorpio or Taurus, um, this is going to be very intense and it's going to affect you greatly. Um, if you have any planets in Scorpio and Taurus, maybe a single planet here or there, this is going to feel more like that death card, not so much like the tower card. Um, and it's going to be a sort of transformation in whichever house that is governed by Scorpio or Taurus. Interesting. And so this is transformation that will be coming with those, with that eclipse cycle. Yes. And okay. under the themes of those houses, I would say also anyone who's kind of got heavy fixed sign placements. Uh, so people, Scorpio and Taurus, obviously, but Leo and Aquarius, probably keep in mind the same advice I'm going to give our Scorpio and Taurus friends. It will be a lot gentler for you but fixed signs have a hard time adapting to change in general. <laughs> and because they share a modality with those other signs, um, it's going to be a little tougher, but we're really running the spectrum here. Everyone's going to have very different months. You know, some months we're kind of all on the same page. This is going to feel very different for everybody. Yeah. I'm just looking at the, how that applies to Lava and I, that's going to be very interesting. <laughs> yeah. Cool. All right. So yeah, anything more about the the monthly theme? Like what what else is uh, could characterize this month? Yeah, so finally, I, I just want to say that like Mars enters retrograde at the end of October. It will stay in retrograde for quite some time. Um, and it will be squaring Jupiter, which is also in retrograde for pretty much the entire month of November. So this really feels like, Mars retrograde, Jupiter retrograde, squaring each other is like rethinking our actions, turning inside. It speaks to like a sort of like no luck trying to act or trying to drum up energy towards action, um, rethinking 
our, our thoughts and our actions. And because of some Pisces involvement, probably some of our feelings as well. But everyone this month is kind of going to go through some of these changes. It's going to shake things up. Um, and so I think that this really is not a great time for action. This is kind of more of a time for laying low, taking stock. Towards the end of the month, we get some intellectual clarity. So we'll have some clarity speaking and talking and feeling, uh, but not a great time in general for inaction. So I'd love if we could talk just a little bit right here about like some ways that people can be reflexive and start a new reflexive practice. My immediate thought about this was like, journaling every day for synchronicities. This is going to be a month where we're going to be receiving a lot of sort of divine and cosmic information and documenting those synchronicities. I think people are going to be amazed at how much they notice if they write that stuff down. So that was kind of my, my first and strongest recommendation for the month. Yeah. And, you know, also another way to take charge, take power during this type of period is using those those eclipses right so so when is the solar eclipse for this month is there a solar eclipse there is there is a solar okay. eclipse and a lunar eclipse right. uh, it's a partial solar eclipse on the 25th and a total lunar eclipse on the 8th of november right right well i mean setting intention on the 25th would be incredibly powerful right because it is that that moment of rebirth right and so yeah. you it's kind of like getting behind the scenes there looking at the wiring under the board and resetting things as you desire right so it's just that perfect moment for uh for manifestation right so i'd urge people to to do something at the moment of the of the solar eclipse Absolutely. you know even if you're not in an area of the world where you can see it going on at the same time, open up YouTube and find why these these channels they're showing you know a live stream of you know you'll either find an actual live stream of the eclipse or you'll find kind of just graphics that are updating until the actual moment of the you know the um, the peak of the eclipse. Do something right at that moment. You know you can. <laughs> there's a lot of possibilities, right? Ritual ceremony. Um, a lot of, lot of possibilities. So definitely try and use that moment. Yes. That reminds me of, uh, you know, just thinking about in ancient astrology, like most of this science and this art was accomplished because people went outside every night and looked up at the sky and looked at the stars and viewed themselves as a participant in what was happening when they saw things happening up there. And so I think it's a great reminder, Eric, like go outside and look at the stars, even if it's for a moment, even however brief. Um, I have a really good app that I recommend to people. It's called Sky View, and I'll put a link on the uh, blog post, but you you literally, it's a it's an augmented reality app and you hold your phone up and it it will show you the stars you're looking at in the phone screen and you can click on them and it will tell you what the star is and it'll tell you a bunch of information about the star and it maps right onto your geolocation. So um, highly recommend going outside and looking at the stars uh, if you are into astrology at all, because that's what it's really actually all about. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. If you're deeply into astrology, you do want to get to the point where you can, let's say, 
recognize the constellations when you're out there on a on a dark night right because it just yeah. creates that extra level of connection with the subject matter right absolutely and it's so it's it's a really slow process like eventually you might just be able to be like oh I know that Jupiter is really prominent and I know offhand just from the report Jupiter is in Pisces right now so okay there we go um but yeah there is a reason that we make a distinction between the planets that are observable with the sort of naked eye and the planets that we need instrumentation to behold and that distinction continues still today and so yes it is a very important part of the astrological practice and of course with an app like you're just talking about now you can know where the uh um, where the unobservable planets are as well well i guess they're not unobservable but the ones that can't be observed by the naked yeah planet, or right? even under you know that are under the horizon line on the other side of the earth you can you can see and know all of that stuff i i think the democratization of this knowledge is really beautiful through technology oh yeah technology is really unlocked it in fantastic ways so yeah take advantage of it people it's it's at the time is now yeah so where do we go next in our journey through the month? So where's the, the first place that we, uh, that we end up? Yep. So the first uh, thing of note here is the new moon in Scorpio that takes place on the 25th of October, early in the morning. Um, this is happening just a couple days after an exact conjunction with Venus. So Venus will still be sort of in conjunction um, with the sun on the 25th, but it'll have a different tone. But on the 22nd, the day we're recording this, actually uh, Venus and sun are in a Kazemi. And so this is a really boundless, expansive and blessed day for love. I don't know if you're experiencing that today, but I certainly am. And um, it's feeling like a really good day here for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm feeling Um, that. Yeah, so just a couple days after that, on the 25th, um, we have this new moon in Scorpio. It is a partial solar eclipse, and this is going to be a major catalyst that is going to set um, events into action between now and July 2023. Um, This is likely related to a conversation or issue that we were having or dealing with in April through May in the Taurus and Scorpio realms of our lives. Um, Taurus placements, definitely brace yourself. This is, this is going to be, it's going to be big uh, for both, but um, yeah. So typically, you know, new moons, we think about new moons as a a good time to do manifestation magic, as you mentioned, starting a new project, actively working towards a goal. Um, as I'm learning, you know, more about the traditional astrology, we see that in ancient times, like I said, solar eclipses are sort of these ends, endings, like the death of kings, the end of wars. Um, this is just a partial solar eclipse, right? So it's not going to be as intense as a full eclipse, but it is going to be a catalyzing event. And in a way, events like this and eclipses in general are like tidal waves of energy. They really have a mind of their own and it's bigger than our needs. So for me, this is not this does not feel like a good time to do manifestation work um it feels like a better time to sort of ride the cosmic wave and the divine wave and to actually sort of seek any kind of inputs or information you can from your deities your guides your ancestors on this new moon um we have mars squaring jupiter but the sun moon venus mercury 
all together on favorable aspects. So it looks a lot like we're embarking on this cycle that's coming kind of from on high, no matter you know who or what you believe on high is for you, no matter what your cosmology is. Um, this is bigger than us here on, on earth. Um, and so this really feels like a time to uh, be involved in something that is receptive and to do magic and spellcraft that is about receiving information um, if you have a Scorpio or Taurus rising, or as I mentioned, a stellium, um, this is going to be especially true for you. I will recommend across the board doing any type of work, receptive work. So trancing, scrying, journaling, ancestor work, ask your guides, ask your deities, ask your ancestors, how you can prepare for what's coming. Um, big changes like this are definitely going to affect people with prominent Taurus, Scorpio, but also to some extent, Leo and Aquarius signs more than anyone else. You can As definitely do, still to, do something like right at the moment, but yeah. not a good time to like start the new thing or take a ceremonial first step, like actually just sit back and try to receive the information that's coming at us. Yeah. Try and see across the veil. Don't plant a seed behind the veil. See oh, across it, right. So yes, there you go. Exactly. And actually this is such a great time. I mean, at, with um Samhain and you know depending on your wheel of the year and what that looks like perhaps Mexican day of the dead and lots of other events happening right here this is the time for ancestor work anyway so if that's something that you've been thinking about dipping your you know foot into or have been wondering how this is the time for that for sure you know I was just recording a interview with Jason Mankey the other day and it's about uh, Samhain Halloween coming up and ways to celebrate it and you know, this will be going out for the listenership this will be going up very soon but in that episode we also talk about uh, the use of divine possession as uh, as something that you can do you know in the context of drawing down the moon and this kind of thing mm -hmm. and I'm thinking you know it's <laughs> that is an extreme form of being receptive but uh, at the same time you know opening yourself up to your deity uh asking for that advice asking for that assistance in your life some guidance it's it's a wonderful time for that it's absolutely sounds like yes absolutely uh i i think that's a great idea i definitely put like channeled writing in there and any kind of sort of you know merging i know that that's kind of an advanced practice in some ways um but I hate gatekeeping information you know like either it's right for you or it's not and i'm never i'm never going to be able to stop you by telling you it's it's dangerous so uh, anything you can do to be receptive, you know, be careful, but would be well, well suited for this time. Yes, exactly. Anyone can do it. It's just uh, <laughs> perhaps be careful, everybody. Yeah. It can, it can go terribly, terribly wrong, but at the same time, it can go terribly, terribly right. So just yeah. try and know what you're doing first, for sure. Yeah. So right around at the end of this sort of new moon period on the 28th of October, Jupiter re-enters Pisces in retrograde. So this is again, you know, continuing the process of rethinking, reliving all the rewords that which we acted upon in March and April. We talked about this last uh last month when Jupiter went retrograde in Aries. And so this is like looking back at that March and April period, we're rethinking some of that. This is going to feel especially relevant in the area of your life that is governed by Pisces. Um, so check your chart for that. 
And then just after that, on the 30th of October, we have Mars stationing retrograde in Gemini until January 12th. So essentially, this is a grinding, slowing down of action. Um, and I think that this really maps on to a time that a lot of people associate with an increase in spirituality. Most of the spiritual people I know feel naturally an increase in spiritual activity, in paranormal activity, and in a, a thinning of the veil, if you will, between the end of October through the sort of end of winter, at the end of maybe January, let's say. And I think Mars in retrograde here is a natural complement to that. So this is not going to be a time for action. This is a time to kind of wait and observe and allow things to happen to you. And that's going to be especially true for the Scorpios and the Taurus placements. Um, it will also be very true, uh, you know, for Scorpios because Scorpios are ruled by Mars, uh, Scorpio risings. Um, and this is also going to be true for Aries. So Aries signs had an action-packed March and April. They had a lot of transformation and change. And now they're going to step back and internalize all those changes and actually kind of rethink and reconnoiter. And in January, hit, an, hit another, you know, swing of uncomplicated progress. Very interesting. Wow. All right. And so where do we go from there? Yeah. So uh, interestingly enough, we kind of have a quiet month between, <laughs> between the new and the full moon. We don't have a ton of activity and it's really, like I said, going to feel kind of like this tidal wave is mounting behind the scenes. So we'll get a preview and a taste. If you do that work with the new moon and you actually are looking inside, this is why I recommend so strongly journaling for synchronicities and correspondences between the new and full moon, 28th of October, uh, 25th of October, excuse me, through the 8th of November. This is going to be a quiet period and things are happening behind the scenes for all of us. And anything you can do to document that is going to help a lot. And it's going to help you kind of understand where your guides and the deities you work with and your ancestors and the spirit world is, is trying to tell you. Um, so the full moon in Taurus, it, it's going to happen pretty much right at the same time as a Mercury Kazemi. Um, this is going to be a total lunar eclipse. And the Mercury Kazemi, as we've talked about in the past on this show, is when the sun and Mercury are directly conjunct. So Mercury is, as the term Kazemi means in Arabic, in the heart of the sun. And this just means these are moments of pure information download from the cosmos in some way. Um, and it's also a great time to try to articulate, you know, our desires and what we want. Um, now, there's a lot going on in this full moon. There's a lot. So we'll, we'll be here for a second. But this is going to be the moment of major transformation. Full moons are letting goes. Um, and I would not be surprised if people, especially those with prominent Taurus and Scorpio placements feel a major purge feeling right here, like a, an absolute have to letting go a cleaving even, um, or a severing type. Um, the sun and Mercury are squaring Saturn and Pisces. They're opposing the moon and Taurus, Jupiter and Mars are square. Venus is under the beams of the sun. All of that is basically Greek and Latin for restriction 
and difficulty in particular around our ability to be proactive, to act, to generate activity, our drive. And the stars here are very clearly asking us to sit still and allow radical change to happen. Um, things are in the works that we are not aware of. And that is, you know, not me being vague as an astrologer. That's the stars being vague as, as indicators and omens. Um, if you're working with this cycle, I'm going to tell you right now, if you're doing the work and you're, you know, got your eyes on the prize and you're thinking about what's happening as it's happening, Taurus placements, Scorpio placements, this won't feel so shocking to you. You know, you're going to be riding a wave and you're going to be, you know, understanding kind of where, where it's going. So I recommend again, you know, just do a little bit of the work and that's really going to save, save a lot of us. Um, so it sounds like a time of insight, but also a time of just not doing much. So it's it's time of inaction, right? Yes. In okay. terms of major activity and mm -hmm. sort of like staking a claim, this is really not that. But we are all basically going to be enduring radical transformative changes in our beliefs and in our intellectual thoughts and our abilities and for many people our immediate circumstances interesting well it's going to be a very curious day and that's november 8th right yes so um, um i said i'd get specific i will if you are a taurus rising if you have a taurus stellium which again is three or more of the classical planets in your taurus um, or if you have major Taurus placements, sit back and Scorpios, this goes for you too. Do not try to wrangle this energy. It is going to be like that. If you trying to influence this is like trying to stop her a volcano with a cork, like anything you're doing is going to be just totally burned up and irrelevant and a waste of your time and energy. Um, so if that's true for you, buckle up. If, however, you are the type of person who only has maybe one planet in Scorpio or one or two planets in Taurus, for example, definitely look to your chart, look to where Taurus and Scorpio fall, see, you know, do the math. It's this planet and it's in this sign. This planet means this, this sign means this. That's where you're going to have a really cool transformational change. And it's not going to feel so dramatic for us um, who only maybe have one or two planets in those places it's going to feel a lot more productive and more like the death card. And we get a little petite rebirth. That's going to be very sweet for us. <laughs> um, so, so look to that, but this is, you know, this full moon is another, I think, great time to do receptive work, any kind of trance channeling scrying. Um, but with this, this full moon, you know, don't be surprised if, your ancestors or guides are asking you to give up something that you are not quite ready to give up yet, or, you know, maybe even actively tearing down something that felt like a safety blanket for a long time, but is no longer serving you. Oh my, sounds deeply, deeply transformational. Well, it's going to be very curious to see how that plays out for people. Wow. All right. So where do we go from there? Yeah. So in the days just after that full moon, mm -hmm. we do have some difficulty here. So over those couple days, basically all seven major planets are involved in a square with another major planet. So on the 10th and 11th of November, um, 
we've just got a lot of squares, the moon squaring Jupiter, Saturn, Sun, Venus, Mercury, like it's, it's just squares. It's just tough. So this full moon's going to happen. You are not going to feel immediately fruitful. And I liken this to, you know, that tarot spread we imagined in the beginning, right? Like, so you've got your old systems, the hierophant, and then you've got that tower moment or for those with less Taurus and Scorpio placements, we've got the death card. And then you've got something like the fool. So you're, you might be looking around actively for those old systems that are gone. You don't have those safety blankets and you know that the terrain has changed and it's just going to feel brand new. Um, so it's going to feel a little, a little bumpy right there. It might feel frustrating or restrictive or like, okay, I said, I was going to make this change. Like, where is it? Where is it going? Where's the change? Um, we might even have some trouble talking about what we're going through, especially Taurus and Scorpio babies. I feel, I feel for you. Um, you're going to feel like you can't get anything done and you can't really even talk about what's happening to you, but life feels probably pretty strange and difficult for you. Uh, but there are things happening behind the scenes, definitely document those synchronicities. And from the 15th to 17th of November, we move into like a breath of fresh air. That's going to make everyone feel a little better. Very, very curious. So when the planets are all squared like that, right? Is it kind of like they're occupied? Like, or, or what's, uh, what's the effect? Like they're just, yep. their, their energies are getting jumbled or what's going on? It's there? that their energies are actively contesting their abilities. So in general, we have, you know, benefic and malefic planets, and then we have, you know, some planets that are considered neutral and the, the luminaries, but for example, if we have like a benefic planet, that planet wants to say yes to the world and to goodness and to good things. And the malefic planets want to say no. And when they are squaring each other, they are corrupting each other's ability to, to say yes or no. And so it just creates a general sense of tension. Now, if you have, you know, for example, like a benefic uh, in a square pattern with one of the other luminaries, that's considered typically neutral that brings negativity where it otherwise wouldn't be there so a square is just one of those difficult aspects with an opposition uh, as the other that bring tension between conflicting energies into into the sky interesting well thank you for the clarification on that point that's yeah. i'm sure that a lot of the listeners will find that very very interesting awesome and so with this period of squares, what's the next big thing to happen? Oh, I like that phrase though, the period of squares. Yeah. Lots of squares out there, you know? Honestly, October and November have been tough for people and the squares in the sky have been, have been tough. Um, but so in the 15th and 17th of November, we, we really do, most of us are going to be getting a lovely, nice breath of fresh air, a time of reward. So if you are the type of person, as I have mentioned who only maybe has one or two planets in Scorpio and Taurus, um, this is going to feel like a reward from that eclipse cycle, right? Like we're going to see results in a way that Taurus and Scorpios will not be quite yet. Um, and we'll talk about that in a moment, but around mid month, we get a bunch of positive aspects and nice transits. So the, the energy shifts here for most of us away from something intense into something that feels exciting, new, buoyant. Um, there's a lot of them and I'm going to read them off and then kind of come back and talk about them. But we have from the 15th Venus trining Jupiter on the 16th Venus enters Sagittarius 
Um, also on the 16th, Mercury is trining Jupiter. And then on the 17th, Mercury enters Sagittarius. So this looks like for most of us, we are going to be getting rewarded with emotional energy, luck, a sort of sensuality, um, or a romance about life again, um, relating especially to new experiences, which is kind of what Sagittarius is all about right there, um, new places, and to some extent, the results of uncovering some hidden part of ourselves um, that has been uncovered in this sort of eclipse cycle for us. Um, but we have all of those beneficial aspects and transits really taking place in Scorpio, Sagittarius, Pisces, and Capricorn. So it's going to feel like an exciting new thing for most of us. Well, that'll be nice. I mean, we go through this period of inactivity and, you know, forced passivity, I guess, and then suddenly something new. Um, does it look like we can start taking action at that point? Or is it still kind of this receptive phase, even though we're being exposed to something new? Yeah, no, this is not still kind of not a great time for action. We still, that's a great question, have Mars squaring Jupiter, which hmm. to me and both of those planets are in retrograde. It's just not a great time for action. However, this is going to feel like an intellectual and maybe even like a social and emotional sort of time of excitement. We may be going to new places um, and we may be trying new things. So when I say inaction, I don't mean doing nothing. It's just not a great time for us to say like, I'm going to finally start that business I wanted to start, or um, I'm going to actually start doing the this thing. Like this is a time of reflection more so than anything else. So not a time to like do nothing, but not a great time to um, launch something that you've been wanting to launch. Yeah, I guess it's that that direct lasting action that we probably should avoid, right? Starting a new business, starting a new career, um, that type of thing, right? But yeah, and you know, action for some has people... to happen every day. Totally. And for some people, it may actually feel a little more like, you know, I used that tidal wave analogy earlier. It might feel like in action, quote unquote, because you're riding a wave, because decisions are just being kind of being made for you and the path is presenting itself and you're just walking it. So it may even feel like that. I think in action feels very different for, for every person. Oh, that's interesting. So it can kind of be like the Taoist concept of Wu Wei, right? Where it's basically the art of acting in an inactive way right so for mm -hmm. instance the judo right in judo you don't push against your opponent you use their force and you uh use that against them so i guess yeah action through inactivity exactly and there's there's actually so much nuance to this that i mean if if i was going to explore every little nook and cranny it would take us we'd never be done recording but you know for people for whom mars is in a really difficult place in their chart like for people who have Mars and Taurus. Um, this might feel really good. All of this might feel really positive because Mars hates being in Taurus and it's extra mean to you. Um, this might actually be a time where your Mars is treating you well because of all of this. So it, it's very, very specific. Um, so definitely take out your birth chart and do a little poking around. Um, and or there are many ways to get in touch with me if you'd like some advice on that. Awesome. Awesome. So do you want to go over these specific, uh, specific 
uh, happenings that you mentioned. So Venus uh, trining, uh, Venus entering Sagittarius. Did you want to cover those? Um, I, I'm going to kind of lump them all in together here. Okay, um, sure. And in the write-up, I'll have separate charts for each of those events. Um, but this is just kind of like a period of really fortunate transits that we haven't seen this much, uh, you know, favorable aspecting since September. So it's going to be all really good. Um, I will though say, unfortunately to my Taurus and Scorpio friends, um, it's not over. It's not going to feel that way for, for you guys. Um, in fact, especially here again, we, we tap into the whole whole crew of fixed signs. So Taurus and Scorpio, Leo and Aquarius, if you are arising in any of those, or if you have a stellium, which is three or more planets, um, you are definitely still going to be feeling tough. So on the 16th of November, as the rest of us are enjoying, you know, Venus entering Sagittarius and trying new things and, and, um, there is a fixed grand cross. So we talked about this a while back about the mutable grand cross. It's one of the easier grand crosses, which are tough aspects in the sky. Um, the fixed grand cross is probably the most difficult grand cross because fixed signs are not open to change. And so we're, we're engaging in this cycle of transformation and the fixed signs are going to really, really feel the the very real impact on their lives of those changes right around the 16th of November. So I love this, this quote that I read from a, a site called Mythologies Astrology. It's user when Eros met Psyche on Tumblr, and I'll link to that in the blog post. Um, but their quote about a fixed grand cross was that this moment in the stars deals with an extreme concentration of immovable and obstinate energy. And that is the fixed sign. <laughs> um, and so in this moment, our fixed sign friends are going to be dealing with a lack of security, a lack of self-worth, and maybe a transformational shift in their identity from this eclipse cycle that they has not caught up with them yet. Um, while the rest of us are going to be kind of moving forward, moving on, the fixed signs are going to be feeling a sense of inability to transition they they won't be moving into that place of optimism and adaptability quite yet. Um, they may be feeling, you know, a need for security, hoarding resources, and be feeling pretty obstinate and unwilling to kind of move forward. Interesting. And so for for all of our fixed sign friends out there, um, how long does that period of obstinance last? So the, the grand cross lasts, I mean, I, I think I, I can look, I could look it up exactly, but it, it's less than even a day. It's, it's really localized within there. Um, and so it, it may even just feel like a little temper tantrum, <laughs> to be quite honest, <laughs> um, or a specific event that has you feeling like, okay, I was on board with all these changes, but now you're asking me to do blank. I can't, and I won't do it. No. Um, that's yeah. exactly how I was thinking of it. As you were describing <laughs> a temper tantrum of let's say the ego, right? Let's say you're going through certain changes, you're on board with something new. And then it's like, no, I don't want to do that. And yeah, we've all had these temper tantrums, I'm sure. So <laughs> it sounds like that for sure. Absolutely. But things will and do genuinely ease up for most everyone 
um, towards the end of the month before the next new moon. So on the 20th of November, we have the sun trining Jupiter, which is just a really fortunate and nice aspect. Um, and Jupiter, of course, is still in retrograde. And then we have, um, you know, the next day on the 21st, Mercury conjunct Venus. Um, so the sun trining Jupiter with Jupiter in retrograde just looks like we're feeling a lot better about those things that we've kind of been rethinking. Um, and Jupiter is once again in Pisces. So it kind of feels like emotional relief as well. Um, in, in that placement. And then just a couple days later, when we have Mercury conjunct Venus, that's also just a really nice, lovely placement. They're both going to be in Sagittarius, um, along with the sun, which is basically just like that feeling of being of finding romance and sort of optimism and sensuality and also being able to express it and understand it uh specifically around where you know Sagittarius falls in our chart which Sagittarius loves new things is a very sociable sign and um and loves that sun sun energy yeah, that sounds like a very fortuitous placement there with both of those, with all of those in Sagittarius. Fantastic. Wow. And um, so is that the the period that you're referring to as empowered speech or or where do we go next? Yeah, I think that really is going to feel like a, as we wrap out this moon cycle before we come into November 23rd, which is the next new moon, that's a new moon in, in Sagittarius. And that same day, almost at that same exact moment, about five minutes later, Jupiter stations direct. That's going to feel so good for everyone. <laughs> That's going to be amazing. And that leads us back to a time of expansion and uh, luck and fortune. And Jupiter is just a lovely, a lovely planet when, when he's direct. So um, this looks like a, a kind of just like, wow, okay, I've settled into it. I'm in step. I can talk about where I'm at, where I'm going. I have the time and the energy and it's exciting me and sort of feeding me emotionally and intellectually to talk about these things. Um, and so I think this is really going to be a time when a lot of people are feeling more open and understanding. I do also think that this is going to help some of the fixed signs alleviate some of the pressure there um, so that they'll be able to actually kind of intellectualize and, and think about um, what, what they've been through and maybe let us all know how they're doing. <laughs> I have a feeling they're going to have, uh, been, been turtle shelling for a couple weeks at that point. <laughs> really, really fascinating. Wow. It's, it's quite the cycle that you've set out between the 25th of October and November 23rd. Wow. And, uh, just for, for anyone who is planning business adventures or anything big, when is Mars going direct again? That's a, a great question. So Mars will go direct on, I believe, January 12th, I want to say. Um, and it it's just, I think, you know, like there may be days between October 30th and January 12th that are that have favorable aspects in the sky, but 
for essentially the entire month, Mars is squaring Jupiter, which is not great. I mean, that's like bad luck for action right there. And then it kind of goes from squaring Jupiter to like opposing um, the sun, Venus and Mercury. So it just feels like not a great time for for action for several weeks at least. However, there are things that we have to start um, or things that we have to do. You can definitely look for better aspects, right? Like Mars squaring Jupiter is not the only aspect in the sky. You can look for trines um, or sextiles to Mars from some of the other planets that can alleviate that um, as well. And, or look to the next new moon cycle. New moons almost always eclipses notwithstanding are a good time for new beginnings. Interesting. Interesting. And now here's a question mm-hmm. when it comes to starting something new, right? So when Mars is, is in retrograde, like it is, mm-hmm. does that mean that that like business venture is cursed from the beginning and that type of thing? Or is that like venture or, or journey cursed from the beginning or is it more like it's going to have bad luck until things change? How do you interpret that? Yeah, good question. So I don't necessarily think, you know, I'm, it, it definitely depends on your philosophy, right? Like, so I'm a little more like the Stoics in the sense that I believe in, in fate to some degree. Um, but I also believe in our ability through various means to contest that fate and to make changes to it. I believe in some degree of free will as well. Um, If you'll allow me a sweet Gemini to have two conflicting ideas at once, I will do it. Um, And that school of astrology that you're talking about is called electional astrology. And it basically is the search by astrologers on behalf of clients for what we call auspicious dates. So we are looking for the best possible time uh, within the parameters set by the client to do something. So um, this has been happening, I mean, since before uh, since before recorded human history, definitely since uh, before the common era. So there, uh, my answer, and I think that this answer will really depend on anyone's cosmology, right? And your own theosophy. But um, I believe that if you are gonna start a business and you wanna start a business in December, you should start your business in December. There is a process of looking for the best possible date in December. Um, but I don't think that starting your business on a date with bad signage in the sky necessarily implies a failure forever. There are so, so, so many factors at work. Even if we're just talking about astrology, there are so many factors at play. Um, when you think about the compounding math of like 12 signs, seven planets, all of the deacons, all of the aspects, all of the transits, it's just on and on and on. So I think it's an infinitely complicated question and um, uh, my unfortunately equally as complicated answer is that nothing is doomed and um, you can look for the, the, the least bad day. Hopefully that answers your question a little bit. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think... Uh, think that's going to help out a lot of people um so yeah i think that takes us then to the end of the period that we're covering and so i guess do you want to lay out to the listenership once again kind of the feel for the month now that they've 
heard all the details. Yes. So if we've heard all the details, I think this month just plays differently for two different groups of people. The first group of people is people with a Scorpio or Taurus rising, Scorpio or Taurus stelliums. So if you have lots of Scorpio or lots of Taurus energy in your lives, um, this is going to be a very intense cycle for you. It just is. We have a new moon that is going to feel, um, you know, I, I recommend that you receive energy there. You try to understand from your guides and your ancestors and your deities, kind of what's coming for you. Um, the full moon is going to feel very much like everything boiling to a head. And this month is going to be a cycle of transformation for you, probably feeling a lot like a tower tarot card. It's just going to be a breaking down of old systems. Um, but something that you can rely on my Scorpio and Taurus friends is that it is all sort of serving, um, your highest self and your highest timeline. Now for everyone else, this is going to feel like a death tarot card. You're, we're going to get a fun, petite, little bite-sized lesson in the Scorpio and or Taurus realm of our lives. If you look at the charts and you look at the maybe one or two planets you have there, um, we're going to get a fun little transformation and we're going to be feeling pretty good about that by the end of the month. So this is a time of inaction and not a good, not a great time for kind of like manifesting. It is really a tidal wave of cosmic energy that we're kind of just going to be riding for the month. Um, from the new moon in Scorpio, kind of going through to that full moon in Taurus. And then we have that bumpiness right after where we're kind of not sure what it is that we're supposed to be feeling, followed by towards the end of the month, a breath of fresh air, a time of reward, and a time where we're going to feel intellectually really empowered to speak about and think about what's been happening to us. Very, very interesting. It sounds like a very curious month. Wow. It's going to be interesting to live it. <laughs> I guess it it's really starting is. up soon enough. Wow. Well, thank you so much, Blair, for the for the breakdown of this period starting on October 25th. It's been uh, really interesting. And of course, we'll have you on next month to, uh, uh, to see what the next period is. And of course, everybody to find the written report that goes along with this uh, podcast, uh, check out the spiritworldcenter.com, spiritworldcenter.com. And, uh, and you can find Blair's report there. Yes. And I would love as always to hear from anyone, you know, how these things are showing up in your life, what kind of coincidences, synchronicities, or correspondences you're seeing, um, or how things are playing out for you. You can definitely find me always on the spirit world center discord, also on the pathways of the pagan discord, which there's a link to in the blog post that I post, um, as well as, you know, by sending an email or leaving a comment, I love to hear how these things are playing out or relating to people. So I'm not, we're not just podcasting into the void. Um, but yeah, that sounds great. Um, good luck, everybody hang in there. Scorpios and Tauruses, you got this. Good luck. You're going to need it. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much, Alexandra. Take care and talk to you later. Bye-bye. Yeah. See you next month. Bye.